0: Good morning. Good morning. I usually hate when people do this, uh, but I'm going to do it. Um, when I say good morning, say it back as loud as you can. All right. I know I know it's early, but here we go. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, dude, look at that. It's like a pep rally. I'm excited now. Um, if this is your first time here, um, I am not Pastor Scott. My name is Jonah Fair. I'm the student pastor here um, pastor Scott actually right now is in Mayo with his family, taking a well-deserved just break, a time to rejuvenate and spend time with family, but he's actually in a church service up there. So that's the type of pastor that we have here, that even on vacation he's in a church, which is really awesome. Um, but not only that, if you're a first-time guest, welcome. Uh, this might be a little different, um, but also if you're a returning visitor, um, if there's a returning visitor in here, that means the world as well. Because not only that says that you got up early to come here, but you got up again after you've already came to church once. And you came again because there was something here that you, that, that you were searching for. Something that you're like, I think this is what, what I'm looking for. So I want to say thank you for coming. And also there's another group of people um, that I feel like sometimes doesn't get addressed. Right now, you might not know this, but we're actually being filmed. I know, it's okay. Like, FBI is not going to come in or anything. But we are being filmed by a camera back there. And usually if you don't see me on Sundays, it's because I'm in the back with kids. um, Or I'm in the back and I'm helping get the uh, Facebook Live going. So right now we're streaming live on Facebook. Um, So I want to say welcome to everybody that's joining in across the world. And I'm not just saying that. We actually have people from Europe. We have people from even within the United States all over every single state for the most part. We have people from South Carolina, from Florida, all the way to California that join in on us. And so right now, they are joining in with us to what God's going to do. And so I'm very, very excited. If you have your Bible, I want you to go ahead and turn to Genesis, Genesis 32, Genesis 32. And we're going to start in verse 23. Genesis 32, verse 23. If you don't have your Bible, it's okay. We'll have it up here. Um, The reason why I say if you have a Bible to open it up, I know for me, you can usually see me in my pocket with tons of these pens. I am a journaler. If you follow me on Facebook or on Instagram, you see that I'm always posting just like things that the Lord's put on my heart that I've been spending time in him, um, in, in his word. So with that, if you have a pen, everybody should have a pen. If you have a pen, you can take notes in the program. There's a blank sheet. Um, in everybody's program. But not only that, but if you have your Bibles open, you can take notes in the margin. And so my Bible's literally falling apart because I take so much notes in it. Um, so with that, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Genesis 32, 23. We're going to read this together. I know some churches, um, they, they ask that everybody stand up. Um, I'm just grateful you're here. Um, so if if you want to stand, go ahead. I mean, we stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. So I completely understand Um, But I will be reading from this, and you can be following along with me in the back. So here we go. Genesis 32, verse 23. He took them and set them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you first bless me. And he said to him, there's a lot of he's in him, so try to follow along. What is your name? And then he, Jacob, said, my name is Jacob. And then he said, the the, the man, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with man and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask me my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. Verse 31, the sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. I know we already prayed, um, but I know I I always do this, especially in youth, um, when when we're talking with the youth. Um, I like to pray again, and not only do... do I want to pray for you I want to pray for me as well because what we just now read is from the word of God and this has the power to literally change your life literally change your life and not only that but maybe change your perspective and sometimes I rather I don't know if I'm being honest with you I'd rather have my perspective change than my life changed because I can have all the circumstances going well in my life but inside feel miserable and I'd rather have that perspective focused on the right thing than than anything around me being comfortable So I just want to pray again, pray for you, but also pray for me. So if you want to join me in prayer, Lord God, just thank you for who you are. God, thank you so much that we have your word. We have your word in the form of the Bible and through the Bible, Lord, we can come to it and see your characteristics all the way through every single passage, every single part of the Bible is not only pointing towards who you are, but who we are as well. And God, I just pray that today, right now in this moment, Lord, that you use me that you use me as your vessel as we just sang about, God. Use me as your vessel in order to, to share that word. Lord, I pray for everybody in this room right now as well. Every person in this room, including myself, we each have a next step. A next step, God. Every single one of us. So, Lord, I just pray for whatever that next step is for the person in this room. And, Lord, please use this opportunity, Lord. I pray that this is a holy moment and that we walk away from this, from this encounter that we have with your word different and changed and with a new perspective. In your name we pray and we surrender. Amen. Amen. That was a good response. Y'all said amen back. That's awesome. Like, I I don't really hear that much up north. Like, down south it's always like, amen, amen, preacher, preacher. But up here it's like, oh yeah, like, amen, you know. But that's awesome. Like, I am so pumped. With that, I was looking at this passage earlier in the week. And in the passage, it's a very powerful moment. Now, if you don't know the context, we'll go into that in a little bit. So you might be kind of lost. Like, who did we just read about? And why is there a lot of he's and him's? And, and a man wrestling another man and breaking hips. And, but we'll get to all of that. But as I was reading this, something came to my mind. It's a three-letter word. Three-letter word that kind of describes something. And what I'm about to say might sound like a gun, but I promise it's not a gun. From the South, everything sounds like a gun, especially if you hear a three-letter word. Uh, AR 15 or whatever, you know. This is not a gun though. But what I'm about to say is something that we've all had once, twice, or maybe a thousand times in our life. But what I'm talking about today, have you ever heard, especially in a relationship when you were young, a DTR? DTR. No? Yes? Maybe? So? Alright. So I know for me, I didn't hear about this until I was later on in high school. So it might be a new phrase, but what it means is define the relationship. Define the relationship. So a lot of times nowadays, when you have somebody that you're kind of pursuing, getting to know them a little bit, you'll have a DTR conversation with them to define where it's going or where you don't want it to go. So it's a DTR conversation. And I know in my life, I've had many pleasurable DTRs in the sense of, yeah, that went well. And, you know, yeah, my, my heart might be a little broken, but, but, you know, it's all good. I'll recover. I'll get out of this. And there's a lot of times sometimes that it's a more serious DTR. And there's moments where they define the relationship and might not be what you wanted to hear. I know in my life though, one, one moment of a DTR that comes to mind, and, and I'll, I'll share how this explains the, this passage right here. I remember when I moved up here, as many of you probably already know, I came from South Carolina. So I'm a newbie here. I've been here since 2016. And for about three years, I felt the Lord wrestling in my, in my heart a calling to come up here and to do life up here. I didn't know why. I didn't know what was the purpose. I didn't know what the end goal was. But I just knew the Lord was calling me up here. So I moved up here and I had nobody. The only person I, or people I knew was the, the connections I had through a missionary agency that I, I, I got connected with to get up here. And also Pastor Scott and his family. So I knew nobody. Especially my age. Um, being 20, I think I was 22 at that point. 22-year-olds after college, it's an awkward time because the only place you're going to meet somebody is at a bar or at a school if you continue your schooling. And I don't go to the bar, so, and I'm not continuing my schooling, so I'm stuck in the middle here. And so I come up here. I know nobody. Anyway, me and Scott, we go to a pastor's conference, and we're there, and there's this, this girl that's worshiping next to me. And I'm like, you know, that's cool. You know, she's, she's singing really pretty. I like that. You know, okay, you know that's cool. And so she, she kind of is near me the first day. The next day, she kind of sits in the area. Um, so long story short, I during one of the breaks that we had, I'm like, you know, my heart's pounding. I say, you know what? I'm going to introduce myself and get to, know this, get, get to know this lady. So I'm not going to say her name because she might be watching or she might watch later. But I'm going to call her Cleopatra. <laughs> Cleopatra. She was an awesome girl. She still is an awesome girl. i remember we got to know each other and just like any single 22 year old you get to you get their name and you have this connection you're stalking facebook but i didn't stalk but i did look her up and i got to get to know a little bit more about her and i messaged her i said hey i I, you know i'm the one that sat next to you and everything like would you like to go out and uh just get to know each other more i didn't say it like that that kind of sounds a little creepy um i said it you know with suave you know i you know i'm trying and so I go out, and when we, we go out, we go to a park, and we simply walk around. I remember at this park, I, I saw a duck, and, and it really made an imprint on me, because I'm like, yo, this is a pretty cool duck, and we don't have these type ducks in South Carolina. But anyway, so I'm with this girl, and we go on another date. We go for breakfast early in the morning. And so I'm like, you know, I'm getting to know this girl, you know. And, and in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, man, we need to kind of start— setting some boundaries where we want to go with this. If this is just a friendship, then cool. If this is going into more of a romance, then then, all right, we need to address that. But she beat me to it. So I get this text one day. and You know, it's very classy. No, I'm just kidding. It's it's good. Um, So she shot me this text and she said, hey, Jonah, I just want to let you know, I I see us more as friends. But at the same time, I really respect you. I really appreciate you. And, um, you know, I think it'll probably be best if we don't talk as much. Um, but I, I, really respect you. And of course, nobody wants to hear that, but that was a define the relationship moment. And I said, you know what? That's awesome. I respect her for that. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, I, I know in my heart what she was trying to say. She knows in her heart what I was, where I was getting at with it. All good. So a week later, she shot me this text. And so I see Cleopatra's name on the phone. I pull it out and I see it and I'm like, okay, cool. What, what I wonder what she's, uh, you know, wanting if she wants to go hang out or something. So she says, hey, Jonah, would you like to go salsa dancing with me? <laughs> you don't do that. <laughs> so I get this text, and she's like, you know, hey, would you like to go salsa dancing? If you know anything about salsa dancing, you're kind of you're in it. You know, you can't be faking it doing the middle school dance. You know, hey, how are you doing? What's your name, you know? You, 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 you're in it. You're, you're going with it. And so I'll be very honest with you. I didn't even text her back. It was because I was trying to be mean. But in my head, I thought that we already defined the relationship. But now I'm kind of confused of what this relationship is. But where I'm getting at is in this passage right now, we know that God has a relationship with Jacob. We know. If you read earlier in the passage, God encountered Jacob in a powerful way in a place that Jacob later named Bethel. Jacob had this encounter with the Lord earlier in his life where he said, you know what? If you are faithful to me, like you're faithful to my dad and my dad's dad, Abraham, then I will follow you and you will be my God. So he already encountered the Lord. So the the relationship between the Lord and Jacob is the same. But at this moment, right now, Jacob is hurting. He is hurting. And we're going to read a little bit, but Jacob is fearful for his life. He, he is so fearful. He sent everything he had. He had tons and tons of animals and livelihood and, and, and his wives and his kids. And he had tons of things, earthly possessions, earthly things, but he sent them ahead. And right now, Jacob is a broken, broken man. So we know the relationship, the define the relationship has already happened between the Lord and Jacob. But it seems like Jacob's a little wrestling, a, a little scared, a little, a little hurt, which I'm sure you can relate to. But we're going to look at a man who defines the relationship back to his creator and how does he respond in the midst of his pain and his hurt. Not only that, but how does the Lord respond to him? So the first point I want to point out is this. And you can, you can follow along with me. But the very first point is this. Pain brings perspective. Now I will be ignorant to think that everybody in this room has sunshine and roses going on in their life right now. I, I, it's laughable if I thought that. Just because everybody says, you know, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Doesn't always mean it, right? Right now, you might be going through something that feels like a literal hell going on in your life. You might be wrestling with thoughts that you never thought you would ever think. Maybe it's it's depressing thoughts. Maybe it's thoughts about maybe leaving a spouse or leaving a family member. Or maybe it's thoughts that you, you start to hate yourself. You start to look yourself in the mirror and you don't like what you see. Jacob right now, I can guarantee you, based on what we know about Jacob in the past, that Jacob right now, he is stressing out, not only because of what might happen to him, but because of what he has done. So earlier, we know that Jacob, literally his name means that he he clings, he clings, he wrestles almost, and also that he is a cheater. He cheats. And you might be like, where did he get this name from? When he, was, when he was in the womb of Rebekah, his mom, he had a twin. The twin's name was Esau, and he's the person that's pursuing after Jacob right now. Esau's name literally means red, hairy guy. So that's a bad name. I don't want that name. All right? If your name's Esau, there's redemption that can happen to that name. I promise. But, but that's the name that I don't really want. But I'd rather have Esau's name than Jacob's because Jacob literally means that he's a cheater. And the Lord speaks to Rebecca and tells Rebecca, look, right now, because she was having kind of birth pains, kind of a lot of pains going on inside of her womb. And she was praying, praying about it. And the Lord spoke to Rebecca, and we can read this in the scripture before, but he speaks to Rebecca and he says, Rebecca, right now, all this turmoil that's going uh, going on inside of you, you have two nations that's going to be at war with each other. And, but the weird thing about this is, is that the younger would be served by the older but they're twins, right? But so Rebecca is just like, this is kind of crazy. She gives birth, gives birth to Esau because he comes out very hairy and red. And then gives birth to Jacob because he was clinging onto the foot of Esau. I would hate to see my beautiful kids that I was waiting on being born and they were already fighting. I would, I would feel like my life is going to be miserable up to this point. But as time goes on, you see that they both are very different, right? And a lot of kids are. But Esau grows up and he becomes a hunter. He's kind of the manly man. He, he goes out and, and he hunts. And Jacob, I would like to think, like Jacob, in my mind, I think of him as somebody that would live in Seattle. Very artsy, you would think. Like he's cooking. He's checking out Martha Stewart on the TV. Uh, maybe Gordon Ramsay. Ramsey, you know, depending on his language, you know, that he's used to at home. But he, he is the cooker. He likes to cook. He's kind of the mama's boy. And we actually know in the scripture that Rebekah favored Jacob over Esau. So a lot of stuff is going on right now. But there's this one day that Esau goes out and he hunts. And he comes back and Jacob is cooking. And Jacob was an awesome cooker at this point. And Esau is so hungry that he goes up to Jacob and says, look literally, when you look at what he literally said in the original language, he basically just like pointed and said, red, red, red. I want that red. I want that stew. Whatever you're cooking, I want that. He'd even ask. He's just like, look, I want that. I want it now. Jacob is kind of a weirdo too. And he goes up to Esau and it's, you know, a normal response would be like, yes or no, right? Jacob looks at him and says, hey, um, yo, give me your birthright. And Esau, Esau's like, You know, you would think he would be very confused, right? You think he would be like, dude, I just asked if I, if you could give me some food. But Esau, he's very, he surprises me, but he says this. He says, hey, what is the use of my my birthright anyway? I I mean, I'm going to die if I don't eat. So just give me the food. In that moment, Esau traded a spiritual privilege of a birthright for a temporary satisfaction. And that's something that we all do every single day that's something else but going on from that you have Esau that that literally just got cheated out of his birthright and he voluntarily gave it given it up and then you have later on in life when their dad is about to die Isaac Isaac's about to die and Esau goes out and he's hunting again now his dad says hey bring me some of that stew that that I like that you make and when you come back I'll bless you Rebecca hears this and says Jacob Jacob, this is your opportunity to cheat your brother out of his inheritance. So what I want you to do, I'm going to dress you up as Esau with, with a beard and everything. And I will cook the stew for you because I know how dad likes it, you know. So she goes in there and Jacob, because, his, the, you know, Isaac is hard, to, hard of seeing. And he, you know, can barely see anything. He sees a figure and literally he blesses Jacob thinking and it's Esau. So, of course, how would you imagine Esau would come in? Is he happy? Is this day going good right now? Yes? No? No, it's not going good. He is, he is distraught to the point that he basically vows, I will kill you. I am so upset right now. And his father says, look, I'm sorry. I can't return a blessing. I, you know, my word is my bond. And I just now blessed Jacob. And so long story short, 20 years go on. Jacob encounters the Lord. The Lord, the Lord says, look, I will be with you. And Jacob says, cool, I need that right now. And so he goes off. He spends 20 years serving his father-in-law, trying to earn his respect to get a bride, which the father-in-law tricks Jacob to giving him another bride that he never asked for, which is the sister of the bride that he wanted. So it's just a huge mess. This is like a reality show gone even wronger than what the producers wanted. Like this this is like, pull the plug. We just got canceled by CBN. Like we are out. Like everything is, everything's done. So we find Jacob right here where the Lord speaks to Jacob and says, you know what, Jacob, I want you to go back home. Now, how would you feel right now? You have ran away from everything, everything, everything. And you're about to go back to the exact same thing you were running away from. The first point is that pain brings perspective. At this moment, Jacob is very distressed. And we see that throughout the passage. Even if you want to go to the verse 24... It says, Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out a joint as he wrestled with him. That pain brought a perspective that Jacob said, you know what? I am not leaving this spot until Lord, you show up like I know you've showed up back then. He says, God, I am not going to leave this spot until I get what I am longing for, which I know what I was longing for wasn't what I thought it was. And I want to ask you, where are you at today? Your life, you might be having so much pain and distress and distrust. You might have so much chaos and confusion. I say often, especially if you follow me and you, and you talk to me, I say always, heavy heart, rest easy. The reason why is because I know if I'm being real with you, my head, I have a heavy heart all the time. I don't know why. I don't know why. I see pain, not only in other people's life, but in my life, and that brings me low. It's hard to stand tall when you you see so much pain around you. And Jacob's in no different situation. That pain brought a perspective for Jacob to say, I am not leaving until I encounter you. I am no longer going to be complacent in my walk, but I am going to seek after you, Lord. And if that takes you killing me right here in this spot, I will do it. I want to ask you, when was the last time that you had that until dawn broke through moment in your life? Have you had a moment in your life recently where you've said, "Lord, look, Lord, it's not about what I know about you, but right now I need to encounter you in a real way because this is difficult. This is getting rough. This is getting hard. Jacob had that perspective at that moment, and it was only because of that pain that brought him there. I want to also kind of bring this up. I brought this up here. This is something that I have. Um, I'm not going to show you yet. I don't want to reveal, reveal what it is yet. This is something I have underneath my TV. In, in, in my living room. And literally all in that area is pretty much everything of worth that I have. Um, besides my person. But with that, I, I got this. I got this a couple years back. But it says, when God is all we have, we have nothing to lose. That's Jacob right now. That's Jacob. All he had was the Lord. And he had nothing to lose. When was the last time that all you had was the Lord? And you had nothing to lose? The second point I want to say is this. When we give God our broken heart, we can begin to see ourselves through God's eyes. When we give God our broken heart, we can begin to see ourselves through God's eyes. A lot of us, we live in a society, just to break it down for you, we live in a society that we run, we, not just you, but me, we, we run from pain, do we not? We numb pain. We try to do whatever we can as quick as we can to get that pain down. It's uncomfortable. And it's not wrong to feel that way. But it seems that the way that the Lord works is that he's not quick sometimes to remove us from that pain because he is developing a character within you that no matter the pain, no matter when you've sent everything ahead of you, because you hope that whatever you send ahead of you will like woo your brother that's trying to kill you. At that moment, what do you cling to? And at this moment, he saw himself through God's eyes because he knew That if he wrestled, he would get something from it. You don't wrestle to the point of someone breaking your hip, unless you're trying to get something. You're trying to gain something. And if you maybe are thinking, "Well, Jonah, okay, well, maybe he was wrestling for selfish reasons." The interesting thing is, is that he already sent all of his earthly possessions. He wasn't wrestling God for earthly possession or a comfort or or, or or anything earthly. He literally was wrestling God out of desperation, saying, God, I know that you are the source of my blessing and my inheritance. He, in that moment, it was a holy moment because he saw, he saw all of his life through God's eyes. Sometimes we as believers, or even we as people who are curious about Christ or, or pursuing Christ, No matter where you're at in this room right now, you might not know Jesus, you might not have a relationship with him, or maybe you've been following him for 50 years. But sometimes we get stuck in a rut where we are more focused on the temporary blessings of God, and we only pray to him whenever something earthly happens to us, that we forget that it's not about that. What it's about is a relationship with our creator. And sometimes that pain brings that perspective that we need, that we need. I, when I'm thinking about this, that see ourselves through God's eyes, it reminds me, I'm a huge music nerd. I love music. music. Music has, the Lord has used music to shape me a lot into who I am. That and the word of God and people. But there's this one song that comes to my mind by a band called Jenny and Tyler. Now you can probably guess that it's a, like a husband and a wife, and one's name is Jenny and one name is Tyler. And Jenny, in one of these songs, she sings about her depression. And she was suffering, she was going through it. And she talks through the whole song about how there's stacks of piles of clothes all scattered around. She has her abandoned guitar that has cobwebs on it that she literally like sleeps with the light on because she just wants to feel something. And at the very end of the song, she says, oh God, help me see myself through your eyes. And that's always a powerful moment to me. Because as I'm listening to that, I'm thinking how that's what it's about. That's what it's about. It's not about our temporary comfort, even though we want that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it's about where are you at? Where are you at in your heart, and your soul, with your creator? There's a quote I've been reading in a book recently about relationship reconciliation. And it says this, God's ways are not our own ways, which we know that from scripture. He may need to use our struggles to keep us dependent on his strength and his provision. He may need to use your struggles, what you're wrestling with, what I'm wrestling with, all the things that we are trying so desperately to run away from. He may use those struggles to point us to what we need, which is him. The third point is this. And and again, you have a blank page in your program if you want to take notes, because I'm I'm trying to go as slow as I can, but I'm I'm telling you, like sometimes it just comes out. But the third point is this there is a blessing in the wound. There's a blessing in the wound. Let me make this more personal. There's a blessing in your wound. There's a blessing in your wound. What you have going on inside your heart right now. What you have going on that you don't want anybody to know about. What, what's going on inside of you that, that, that you've been wrestling with. There, what, what's going on inside of you that you don't want to bring to the Lord. Because you're scared. You're fearful. He might ask you to give something up. But there's a blessing in that. And I want to encourage you today. Just like with Jacob, there's a blessing in the wound. And I get this from when we're reading in Genesis 20 or 32, like we are in 27. And he said to him, which the, the man said to Jacob, what is your name? And Jacob said back, my name is Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, which remember what Jacob means? He cheats, right? Your name should no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with man and have prevailed. See, in this moment, God changed his name, and only the word of God has the power to change your identity, change your name. We can do what we want to do to our physical body. It doesn't change who we are. Our soul is our soul, and our soul is given by our creator. But some of you right now, you might be living in bondage to a past, a past hurt, a past relationship that went sour, a past, something, a past decision. And right now, I want to encourage you that when we get down and we say, you know what, Lord, I am not leaving this spot until I speak to you one-on-one. And even if that takes me waking up two days on from now and not going to sleep, and I will stay here until dawn breaks through, Lord, I know that you have the power to change my name. There is a blessing in the wound. And I also think about when when it comes to blessing in the wound, Isaiah 53, 5. And it says this, but he was pierced. He, Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we were healed. See guys, when I read about Jacob, and when we read about the, any part in the scripture, it should always point back to Jesus. In this moment, Jacob is getting blessed even through his wound. But we know that we are blessed through the wounds of Jesus Christ. That God, the Word of God, became flesh and dwelt among us. Just as real as I am right now or as real as you are right now. That the Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. And through his, through his wounds, we are blessed. Guys, I want to ask you something. Are we, are you, chasing after a blessing... That only he can fill. Are you chasing after identity from a world that cannot give it to you? I know in my life, I've done that for so long, so long. And it wasn't until on my knees at, eight, at, at age 17, I finally said, Lord, I want to be who you want me to be. I'm done with chasing all this satisfactory things that are so, so temporary. But God, I want to know you there's a blessing in the wound. And we know ultimately the more that you get to know, that that I get to know Jesus, that we are blessed by knowing why. We are forgiven. We are forgiven. We are forgiven. Guys, that is huge. And sometimes it's only in our pain that we can see that we are forgiven. We are forgiven. And that no matter what else is going on, no matter all the turmoil and chaos that other people are going on in their lives or in my life, I can rest at the end of the day. I'm being very real with you. When I lay my head at night, I know even if everything in my house burnt down, even if everything on my body started to shut down, I know eternally I am safe and secure in the Savior's arms. That is a wound that my, bless, that, that, that my God took on the cross that nothing could ever take that away Nothing could take that away. That he was cursed on that cross for our blessing. That's the blessing that I know that ultimately I long for. And that we long for. And Jacob in this moment encountered God. And this is something else that we already kind of talked about. But it's something that's very important. In Christ alone, we can find that blessing that we are longing for. In Christ alone, we can find that blessing that we are longing for. There's a quote by a man named T.W. Tozer. He's a theologian. But he wrote something that's very interesting. And it's something that honestly causes me to wrestle sometimes with. But he says this. It is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has wounded him deeply. So he's saying that it's not until we are wounded deeply that God can bless us. And you might be saying, well, well, hold hold up a second. Jonah, I know you're from the south and, you know the Bible belt and everything, but I have a little bit of problems with this. And I would respond to you, I understand. But when we're looking at this passage, we can see through that pain that he was going through, he finally said, you know what, I'm getting on my knees and I'm not even going to find any comfort in the things around me anymore, but I am seeking you and you alone. And in that moment, he was blessed greatly. Why? Because he looked to the source of it. He was no longer looking to try to fill this void with temporary things, but he knew that Lord himself can bless him. The Lord can bless you with where you're at right now as well. I want to ask you a question. I've been kind of asking a lot of questions, so I'm sorry. But I want to ask you a question. This is a very personal question. But do, the, do you, is your altars, because we know right now that Jacob built an altar in that moment. He said, you know what, I, I've encountered the Lord face to face. And he built an altar, something to remember that, look, Lord, you were with me in this. Well, I want to ask you is, your, does your altar have cobwebs on it? All of these altars in your life, these moments where you've encountered the Lord in powerful ways, maybe in the past, and I'm kind of speaking to, to believers at this point, but as a believer, as a follower of Christ, and you claim in your heart and, and with your life, I, I am following after you, Christ. Does your altars have cobwebs? What that means is, do you revisit those often? Do you, do you immerse yourself with what God has already done, or, or do you become complacent And you push that away and say, you know what, I'm I'm comfortable with where I'm at. Because I will guarantee you that pain will bring you back to those altars. Pain will bring you back to those altars. And for those in the room right now that you haven't trusted Jesus with your life and you haven't surrendered to him, what I want to ask you is that right now, the Lord might be building an altar in you. And he might be using pain to do it. No matter if you've been following after the Lord for years, or if today's the day that you finally say, you know what, I'm going to seek after you, Lord, because I know ultimately you are what I thirst and long for, and there's a God-shaped hole that I know only you can fill. Martin Luther, he has this quote. He says this, whatever your heart and mind confides in and finds comfort in, that is your God. That is your God. I remember as a new believer, when I was a senior in high school, that is something that I wrestled with. Because I say, you know what? I, I'm adulterous. I, 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 I give myself to so many things. And, and I don't find comfort and confide in you with everything, Lord. Please help me. And I remember this point becoming real in my life. I remember senior year of high school was the first year that I was following after the Lord. I remember that night going to bed. And I was just, I was just very distraught. Because in my life, I was wrestling with a lot of things that I'm like, God, I, I know I struggled with stuff before, and now I'm getting to know you in, 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 the, in your word. And I know how you designed me to live, but at the same time, I'm still struggling with the stuff that before I surrendered to you, and why am I still struggling with it? I should be new, right? You say I'm born again now. And I remember laying in bed and just feeling so much distraught. I literally did not go to bed that night. I was just weeping and weeping because I wanted to have that DTR conversation with God. Because I knew what God said about me. I wasn't doubting whether or not I was his. What I was doubting is whether or not I was doing something wrong. Did I mess something up? Did I mess this relationship up? And just like Jacob, he's having that moment where he's saying, God, did I mess something up? And he knows he did. But he's saying, God, are you going to be faithful even when I mess something up? And in my bed, I remember having the exact same thought. I said, God, are you going to be faithful to me even when I mess up and I do the things that I know that don't, don't bring you pleasure, God? And I remember I, all night just laying there and crying and crying and crying. And finally, I look at my clock. It's five o'clock in the morning. And I was still in school at this point. So I knew I had to wake up right 30 minutes and get my sister out of bed and drive her to school. And we went to the same high school. And I, I said, you know what, God? I, this was pointless. I, I spent all night wrestling. I didn't, I didn't hear anything. You know, God, if anything, I feel worse about myself. And I remember all it took was me rolling over in bed and outside my window, I lived, I, I lived in a valley. It was like a little valley, Like if that looks like a valley, you know. I lived in a valley. And in this valley, there was a creek there. And what was very profound is for the, probably the first memorable time in my life, I saw a sunrise. But this wasn't just a sunrise. I remember looking out this window and seeing beauty, beauty. I wish I would have had a picture of that. Even a picture wouldn't have done this moment justice. But I saw beauty. And it was almost as if the Lord was speaking to me through this beauty. And that he was saying, Jonah, I love you. I love you. I love you. And yes, I am faithful. No matter what you do, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter where you go, God, God was speaking to me in that moment. and said, look, I am faithful to you. And I love you. And I promise you, Jonah, every single time, every single time you open your mouth or you, you open your eyes, I promise I am leading you. I'm walking with you. Even if that takes until dawn breaking through, I am faithful. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. That I will be in this moment with you. And even through your pain, Jonah, I will be with you. Jacob had that moment. He had that moment. And in that moment, he cried out, said, you know what, I have I have seen you. What's really interesting, though, is that God never spoke to Jacob in this moment saying, you know what? Yeah, um, by the way, Esau's not going to kill you. But Jacob still had a peace. Maybe in your situation, you might be at a moment where you're saying, you know what? I want blank more than anything. But what what I want to challenge you with, will you still worship the same God that you are praying for and that you're getting everybody to pray with you for? Will you, will I still worship that God even when he doesn't do blank? Is a simply being with him, being in a relationship with him enough? Or do we need more? Because I want to say, if, if we need more, then that is a topsy and turvy road. That is a very topsy and turvy road. Because I know this world can't give me anything that satisfies my soul. I know that. And I want to, sometimes, sometimes I know when I hear talks like this, I, I think like, okay... You know, I, I'm not really going through pain right now. I'm, I'm kind of comfortable. What I want to challenge you is that whenever that moment comes, that you have that pain, that hardship, what will you turn to? What do you turn to at your lowest? Because that says a lot about who you are at your best. And with that, I know sometimes it's hard to even make it through a day. I've, I've felt that personally in my life. I feel that very often sometimes. And, and sometimes I know that I'm, I'm saying, you know what, Lord, I know that I can't make it through tomorrow, but I know today, I know you're faithful enough to, to get me through today. And I wrote down this, and, and we were thinking in the, in the office as we were kind of brainstorming, you know, God, what are you trying to say th- through this message? And, and this came to my mind, a prayer, a simple prayer. And you might want to jot this down. This might be something that you make personal later, but it says this, God, I'll take the next step but I need you to own the path. God, I'll take the next step, but I need you to own the path. Guys, every single person in this room right now, I'm being very sincere with you. You have a next step. If you look at me and say, Jonah, I don't have a next step. I will look at you and say, then what is God doing in your life? Because God is an active God. He is always moving us. He is always growing us. He's always renewing us. God doesn't take vacations. God doesn't chill whenever it gets a little heat and a little hot like it did this last week up here, you know, very muggy. God doesn't take, bounce down to Hawaii where it's good. God is faithful even through the midst of of all of that turmoil in your life. And what I want to say is that you have an opportunity right now, or tonight, or tomorrow, to say, you know what, God, even if you don't answer the prayers that I pray, today, tomorrow, next week, next year, God, you know what, I'm going to build altars, and I'm going to build altars very frequently. And God, I know, Jeremiah 29, 13 says when I seek you with all of my heart I will find you and what I want to challenge us in this moment as we respond to this message And the band can go ahead and come up But as we respond to this message I want to challenge you to do this build an altar Why don't we build an altar right where we're at Maybe in your heart right now you have a lot of things that you're wrestling with maybe when I brought up You know, what is that one thing that you know that you've been wrestling and that you're afraid to bring to God Maybe that came to your mind right off the bat. Or maybe, like if you're like me, you need some time to kind of process it. What you have right now in your program is that blank sheet of paper. What I want to challenge you as, as the band sings this next song, to, to write down whatever it is the Lord is stirring inside of you. And I want to ask you, do you have unfinished business today? Is there unfinished business in your heart, in your life, in your mind? This is an opportunity for us to respond. If you're not a writer, that's absolutely okay. God made us all very different. What I want to encourage you is that I know down south we have an altar, right? It's a pretty little altar, has the steps, you know, has the carpeted steps, sometimes it's the velvet steps, but but we don't really have that. We have a stage and we put this up every single week. But what what I want to encourage you to do, maybe you alone, maybe you with your spouse, or you with your kid, or where however this looks for you, I want to encourage you. You have the opportunity to come down here. Say, you know what, God? I don't have all the answers. But God, I want to I I get down right now and say, you know what? Own my path. Own my path. Whatever this journey through my pain and through my wrestling is going to look like, God, I want to make a de- declaration that I will stay and I will seek your face and your faithfulness even if that takes till dawn breaking through. And even if that means me not getting any sleep tonight. God, this is a prayer that I know I pray often That maybe we can all pray together Is God break my heart for what breaks yours That's a dangerous prayer Because he will And sometimes he'll keep us all up All throughout the night to do that Sometimes he'll meet you in your workplace We're trying to get away from him But you have an opportunity When the band sings this next song To either stay in your seat What I want to challenge you Or encourage you to do You don't have to stand You don't have to sing along But what I want more than anything Is for us to respond whatever way that you want to. At your seat, at the altar, even right there by your seat. Your seat can become an altar. And I want to encourage you, no matter what you're going through, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What that means is that if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, you have received that blessing that Jacob received at that moment. Because at that moment, Jacob received a new identity. When we surrender to Jesus, we receive, your name is no longer what you've done or where you're, what you've been doing, but you literally, when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. He sees his son through you. And I promise you that the Lord is faithful. When you receive him, he will grow you and make you look less like who you are or who you were in your sin and so much more like him and his son and in purity. I want to pray for us and give you this opportunity. To, to, to respond in however way you see fit There's going to be um, Lauren and Danny They're going to be up here in the front um, And they will pray with you If that's what you need right now To process through this um, They will pray with you no matter what's going on I, I end every youth group like this And I, I want to end it today like this I want to remind you That you are so 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 loved let that sink in for a second. You are so loved, and God has a plan and purpose for you that goes far beyond anything that this world can offer you. Anything. Anything. No matter what you've done, no matter where you're at, no matter what you will do. He is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. Let's pray. Lord God, just thank you for who you are. God, Jesus, I do not know what is going on in this room right now, in the hearts of everybody that's listening to this, Lord, I just pray that you be with everybody wherever they're at. If they're at home right now watching on Facebook, Lord, I pray that they can build an altar right where they're at. Whatever that looks like. Lord, just please show up in our hearts, God. Please help us see, see our pain and our chaos and our confusion and our questions like you see it. And Lord, if we're not going through that right now, Lord, help us ask the hard questions. Is there anything in my life that is unfinished that I know I need to bring to you? Or Lord, is there anything in my life that I know that I've been becoming complacent about and comfortable with? Lord, I pray right now in my life and everybody's life in this room right now, please break our heart for what breaks yours. Help us respond to you in, 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 in a personal and a real way. And Lord, if we've decided for the very first day, if there's somebody in this room that's decided, you know what, I'm gonna, I, I want to I wanna follow you, Jesus, with all of my heart, from this day on. I I won't get all the steps right in the salsa dance, but God, I want you to teach me. Lord, if they make that decision, Lord, I pray that this is a holy moment that they will never forget, and that they will build an altar right where where they're at. We need you, Father. In your name we pray and we surrender. Amen.